welcome to The Dream, The Date, and The Broken Bra. I am your host, Stephanie Brownyard. I have an insatiable desire for adventure and knowledge, and with this, I have been on a quest to discover what the purpose of life is and what it all means. In this podcast, we will embark on a journey, the journey of life. With my guest, we will share in stories and celebrate all that life has to offer from the challenging times to the victories of one's dreams, love, and life experiences. Through authentic conversation and thought-provoking dialogue, it is my hope you will unravel and uncover the magic that makes your life so extraordinary. We all come from different walks of life with different beliefs, but we all have similar desires and needs. Our paths are all so different, but yet we are all so connected. Let's come together to hear each other and to learn from one another and see the beauty in every experience, no matter how difficult or challenging it may be. In the process, we can all heal a little, have some laughs, and perhaps shed a few tears with a whole lot of inspiration. Join me on this exploration to uncover your magic. Are you ready? Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back. I hope everybody's year is off to a great start. We are, this will be the second episode into 2022, and I am so excited that it's this episode landing at the end of January of 2022, because my guest today, Lila Smudger Cruz, is nothing short of inspiring. And I know when we start start the new year, it's all like a fresh start. And really excited with possibility. And maybe by the end of January into February, our old habits and patterns start creeping in and we start kind of losing focus or haven't changed our mindset. So this episode I find really inspiring of Lila's journey with jujitsu and being a top competitor at her, at her game as a female is really inspiring. A little bit about Lila. She is one of the top female competitors and pioneers representing 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. She is the 10th Planet's headquarters original and longest training student, and she's the third woman to receive her black belt from Eddie Bravo. Most recently, she was a competitor in the first all-female EBI tournament on the UFC Fight Pass and can boast the second fastest submission ever at 23 seconds. She has dedicated her life to fitness and martial arts. Beginning in 2006, she trained first in Muay Thai and then transitioned into Jiu-Jitsu and has since added spinning instructor, certified yoga teacher, and a certified personal trainer to her resume. In 2016, she co-founded the original 10th Planet Women's Self-Defense Programs, whose mission is empowering women through the art of Jiu-Jitsu. And knowing what I've been through with Jiu-Jitsu, this is such an accomplishment and such an inspiring feat. I hope you embrace this episode and really love it as much as I did having it. Enjoy. Hi, Lila. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's just a little background. I met Lila from her darling sweet grandma who happens to be my neighbor who she Inez is like my inspiration. Like if I could be like Inez now, like she's just probably the sweetest woman. Like just a brief story about Inez. Blair and I moved to this neighborhood. It was like four or five, four, yes, four years ago now. 
And Inez is probably like 80. What What is she? How old is she now? 99. 99. Wow. <laughs> so she was what, like 94, 95 at that time? She made Blair and I, the first night we moved here, a whole roasted chicken, vegetables, bread. She brought like the butter, like the whole dinner, like the salt, the pepper, like everything to us. And she's just been such a blessing in our life. So, and then through that, I've gotten to meet most of your family. And it's pretty, like we were just talking before this, like how I love it. Like every weekend, there's just a shit ton of cars in our neighborhood and it's because everyone's coming to visit Inez and like just love her up and she's just such a well, rad every woman. Every moment is precious for sure. I know but she is like I see her out there walking like every day she's just she's such an inspiration and I know yeah I and know. I'm sure you get like so I met you through your grandma but I know we had I wasn't in jiu-jitsu but Blair was so he had known your husband and you through jujitsu, and he actually went and trained with you guys at 10th Plant. Oh, so actually, just a little background. Lila does jujitsu. Actually, do, why don't you share your story? I'm not going to share your story. I do. I'm a black belt under Eddie Bravo, uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, and I've been doing jujitsu for about 12 years now. And I was in the martial arts world since I was 14. I started with Muay Thai. And then I got into jujitsu when I was like 20 and it's been a love story since I call it the love hate relationship, <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's my story as far as jujitsu goes. And uh, I, my husband and I, we, my husband also is a black belt under Eddie Bravo, 10 planet jujitsu. And we have our own school, 10 planet Pasadena. So we are, you know, creating our own little 10th planet community and family uh, over here in Pasadena. So there's so much there to uncover what I hear. So you started martial arts when you were 14. Mm-hmm. I started Muay Thai, which is kickbox, a form of kickboxing. Uh, it was like a little, it was called the bomb squad. It was down the street from my parents' house in West Hollywood. And it was like this tiny little like dojo, like typical, like, you know, kind of grungy fight gym, basically. And it was just Muay Thai. And at night was when Eddie Bravo came in with his weird friends and people that <laughs> trained under Eddie Bravo. Um, when he, like it, he wasn't, he was famous, but it not as not the extreme that it is today. So he, this is like the beginning of 10th Planet, basically at this gym called the Bomb Squad. This was before there was any affiliates of 10th Planet. I only did the Muay Thai and, you know, I would go at the, the six o'clock class or the seven o'clock class and Eddie's jujitsu people would come in at 830, you know, a bunch of stoners and weird artsy people and just like that trade of different vibes of like Muay Thai, like really intense people to like jujitsu people kind of like, not sloppy, but just very grungy, like chill, like kind of artsy people like and I was 14 so I was like like who are these weirdos you know so um so I always saw Eddie Bravo and but I didn't really know anything about jujitsu or Eddie Bravo or any of that stuff and I just always saw the group of people and I saw jujitsu and I was kind of like what a weird sport and then fast forward you know years go by 
the gym moves to a different lo- location and I, you know, I follow them because I'm still doing Muay Thai at the time. And I'm so in high school the stuff. whole gym moved, like the whole gym and meeting yeah, the, the jujitsu. Yeah. So the bomb squad moved to a place called, and then they changed the name to legends. MMA. Okay. Gotcha. And it became legends MMA and it had 10th planet inside of legends MMA. So now it's become this MMA gym. So lots of like famous world-class up and coming MMA fighters are, coming to train here, you know, a lot of them coming to train with Eddie Bravo to get that, you know, because his whole Ted Planet system was based on for MMA. He wanted to create jujitsu for MMA fighters. So he had a lot of famous MMA fighters coming in and getting training in with him. Can we go back? Because I actually, as a 14 year old, what like was that that had you be interested in Muay Thai? Because I mean, I don't know, like, I didn't know about it at that age, but I, I did kickboxing, but it was more to train for soccer. So like what? As, like it was like, like a cardio kickboxing. Yeah. And it was just to keep in shape when I was in off season. But I mean, I don't think it's like a common thing for like a 14 year old to go and do Muay Thai and get, get kicked. I mean, what like? A mom, like you're knowing your mom, like your mom was like good with you, like getting kicked in the head and, getting, you know, you know, I don't think any of us really, I've always had a lot, I played soccer as well. And I've always had a lot of energy as, since I was a kid. And my, we had a, a family friend staying with us, an actor, and he was staying with us because he lived in New York and he was, um, you know, going on auditions and stuff like that. And he was really into Muay Thai. And I had I had no idea what Muay Thai was about, but I I knew he was doing it, and he found this place down the street from our house, and he kept telling me to come do it, and he thought I would really enjoy it. Blah 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 blah. And this was like a legit Muay Thai gym. It wasn't just like cardio kickboxing. It was like world class Muay Thai fighters teaching the classes, and like like legit, not you know, it's not your typical like you know cardio kickboxing with music all loud and stuff like that. It was like what you would imagine walking into a real fighter's gym would look like. That's what it was. Now, are there many kids at this point? No, no, no no kids. And what about females? A few females. There were like two or three, but just a few females. There were like young kids, like young boxer kids, you know, but nothing, nobody like young like me. Um, But when I was 14, I was in Paris with my sister and my family for New Year's. And I begged my parents to let me go out with my sister and her friends, my older sister, four years older, and all her friends to the Champs-Élysées. Do you know what that is? It's no, like but the, I feel like I should. <laughs> the Champs-Élysées is like the like really Hollywood good. Boulevard. Of oh, okay. Like it sounds really fancy. Like <laughs> So, but it's like a very famous street that people on New Year's go and like celebrate, blah, blah, blah. So, we, so I begged my parents and my parents were like, all right, fine, you can go with her for a few hours. and But like right after midnight, We'll come pick you up, and then your sister's gonna go out. Out. So I was like, and okay, you're there bye. on vacation. Yeah, yeah. And anyways, long story short, right after midnight, there were a bunch of pickpocketers and like attackers, and my sister and the group of our friend and friends that she was with, we all got like attacked and like circled. So uh, like a group. So it was like people that were doing it together, like planned. And so they circled me and my sister's best friend. They like somehow separated me and my sister. I mean, it was crowded, like crowded, like sardines in the streets. So somehow we got separated and I was holding a bottle of champagne and my sister's friend and I dropped to the ground and I just froze 
And my sister's friend is like screaming and they're like unzipping her jacket. They're unzipping my jacket. Basically, we were like attacked. And finally, my sister was able to like get through the crowd and, you know, in, broke up and grabbed me. And then my uh, her other friend grabbed her the friend. She got like completely mugged, her whole purse, everything gone. I didn't really have anything on me because I'm 14. So I, I thankfully, I didn't have my passport or any of that yeah. or camera or nothing. And um, no one there was, was doing anything. Like it's nothing. so crowded. No one. It did was anything. so crowded. Nobody was really seen, and it was happening in a lot of different places. So it was like a bunch of different people. So finally, my sister grabs me and picks me up, and I'm like in complete shock, and like just complete shock, and like frozen. And finally, my sister had to like kind of get in my face and be like, "Hey, it's me." Like so. After that happened, I came back from New Year's and, you know, my, our family friend that was kind of staying in and out with us, I was like, okay, take me to this Muay Thai gym. And, you know, of course my parents were for it. And my dad is very into sports and stuff like that. So he's super encouraging. And so I started and, um, you know, the details are blurred because it was so long ago, (laughs) 15 years ago, my goodness, something, yeah, 15 years ago. So, and I started and, and I fell in love with it and I loved it and I just continued doing it. And I, it was just part of my routine, part of my life, even though through high school and soccer and I still maintain going. And then when the gym moved to a bigger location, I followed them there. And then I soon became like the gym little sister and like, it became my family. And as the gym grew and, and you know, it was a community. I started to teach and help, you know, with beginners. And I taught uh, spinning. They had like a spinning class and I taught spinning class and I don't know, it just became, and then I, you know, I would work the front desk if need be. And like, just be kind of came like my side. It was just like my home away from home. How did you transition then? I feel like our paths are very similar because I was the same way. My dad played racquetball growing up. So I was at like the gym the whole time. And I, I learned how to like do the equipment myself and like, I mean, I'm like 10 years old, like on the fitness equipment. And then as I grew up, I started working at the gym. So I I get that. That's basically what happened. Yeah. I just started teaching, you know, I didn't have any like credentials or anything like that. I was just teaching. Um, But I was, you know, everybody loved my spin class and stuff like that. So anyway, so of course, you know, through high school, I, you know, I maintained this whole thing and I always saw jujitsu, but I was never into it. And then my friend who did kickboxing with me, you know, was kind of my mentor. Obviously everybody was older than me. She kept saying, come try jujitsu, come try jujitsu. And I'm just like, man. And so after high school, I went to Israel for a year and like I did a year abroad. So I, I wasn't doing Muay Thai that, while I was out there. And then finally, when I came back, but you actually, and I was listening to another podcast that you had done, but when you were in Israel in that year, you served in the military there. Yeah. Right? I did like a volunteer yeah. program for three okay. months. Yeah. Okay. It was like three months of like the basic training. Okay. And is that a common thing? Is that a common thing? It's an Israeli experience and it's, it's kind of like a way to try to recruit, kind of recruit people to volunteer to do the army. 
So obviously I wanted to do it. My parents were very against that. Oh, really? Um, Usually it's like the other way around, right? Like, no, no, no. They they were like, I was kind of like thinking about doing it and, you know, for a quick second, it didn't last very long, but they were kind of, they didn't encourage me. They were like, what? No. And so I was just like, okay, whatever. So you just go do that and do like the training? Like what? So three months. It's just the basic training. So it's like they basically, it's to break you mentally. Gotcha. Three months of trying to mentally break you. It's not, it was not very physical. It was more mental. It's all mental the first three months. And then, um, you know, you learn how to shoot guns and you learn like the history of all the different units and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And then we, you know, clean, learn how to clean guns and, you know, all the basic stuff, but it's, it's a lot more mental than it is anything else. What do you think got you to want to do that where your parents weren't really pushing you? What do you think? Just like, I just like intense shit. Okay. I like, gotcha. I like to be pushed and be intense. <laughs> okay. It's funny because I like to do that, but I don't, I'm so not adventurous in like real world, like going on vacation. I just want to lay on the beach, you know, like I'm not, I don't feel, I don't want to go to snorkeling. That's I don't like want to balance, go, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do any of like, I don't like roller coasters. I don't like haunted houses, but like, when it comes to like, you know, but I'll go, you know, do jujitsu and like compete and like try to choke people out and have people choke me out, you know? So it's just, it's a funny little thing. I just like the intensity. I, I like to train hard. I, I like to be pushed to my body to that. It's, I like to push my body to that limit. But anyways, it didn't last long and I came back kind of lost, like didn't know what to do with my life. So I went to school. I was going to call, I was taking college classes, living at home, working at the gym back to training, working at the gym. In Muay Thai. You know, yeah, went back the Muay Thai, Thai gym. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was working the front desk, teaching spinning. And this, so now more and more people are getting into jujitsu. And obviously there wasn't a lot of women, but my one friend that had done, was doing it, she was like, you know, come do it with me, come do it with me. And I'm just like, eh, I don't want to, I don't want to. And how long ago was it? So like, what was the time? This was four. So I, I got back from Israel in like, I don't know the year. I can't remember. I was 20. So 12 years ago, I was 20. And it was in like June when I got back. April, January, March, June, July, something like June, July, something like that. Because that's when I think Blair started getting into jujitsu is like around the same time. Oh, really? But yeah, okay. it wasn't. But I don't think it was really like that popular at that time, right? No, it wasn't yeah. as popular as okay. now. Mm-hmm. Brazilian jiu-jitsu with the geese was popular, but not no gi was not popular, not the way it is now. It was starting to though, because of the UFC was starting. It was, this was like kind of prime time. So also like, you know, I did a Muay Thai fight. I'm like, did I do a Muay Thai fight? Yeah, I did a Muay Thai fight when I came back from Israel. So when I came back, I went back to training Muay Thai, like hardcore training, working at the gym, taking school classes, kind of living the dream, living at home, you know, it was fun. It was such a fun, such a fun life, you know, I uh, didn't have any bills really besides like minimal stuff, but like I was making that side money from teaching. So I did a Muay Thai fight. So fun. I won. It was a lot of fun. And I thought like, okay, I want to do, you know, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, maybe I want to do MMA. So when I went to go do my second Muay Thai fight, I passed out in the ring. And when it happened, we all thought like something was wrong. Like, you know, something happened to my heart or we don't really know. But in the, in the end, it was all nerves. My body basically went into shock and like my adrenaline just couldn't handle 
the adrenaline, I, my body just like shut down. Cause you're tiny just to like give a, like a, I mean, you're tiny. How tall are you? Five, two, five, two and a half. <laughs> yeah. I do the same thing. I'm five, two and a half too. And then like, what's your weight? I don't know if you like mind. One, one fifteen, one twenty. Yeah. yeah. So you're like a little tiny, like firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my body couldn't, but it's, it, what was interesting is that I had the first fight and I was fine. It was the mm-hmm. second one. I, I guess because I knew what to expect, you know, it's exhausting. Right. And right. The adrenaline is for real. So I passed out in the ring right before the fight starts. It was crazy, kind of heartbreaking. And then I was like, okay, well maybe it was just a fluke. So then when I went to go do my third one, while I was getting my hands wrapped, I felt that feeling again and I panicked and I, same thing, my body just like collapsed. And I was just like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. So I took a look, it was very heartbreaking, like gut wrenching, like what the fuck? So I took a little break. I had kind of dabbled in jujitsu during this time. Like my friend kept convincing me, but I kept starting and stopping and starting and stopping. Cause it was just like, Oh, I don't like this. And then finally, after this one, I was kind of like, all right. And at this time, the gym was starting to kind of fall apart a little bit. Like the jujitsu and the, and the kickboxing, cause we had like a really good team, but like the gym was starting to separate like the head instructor of the kickboxing and Eddie Bravo, it just wasn't connecting. So like the gyms were starting to kind of separate, uh, which they eventually did. But before that happened, I got into jujitsu and I started doing privates with my husband. Um, he wasn't your husband at the time though. He wasn't my husband at the time, <laughs> just some guy that oh, I... Oh, romance. <laughs> yeah. So some guy that some I guy. watched. Do, some guy <laughs> that was teaching fundamentals for Eddie Bravo. And I was just like, do you do privates? Was he the motivation that got you? You thought totally. it was cute and he... Yep. Yep. 100%. See, ladies, you might find some cute guys at jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So we started doing privates and we started in like end of September, beginning of October of, I I don't know, 2009. I don't know. I maybe 2009 or 2010. Okay. I can't remember. I think maybe 2000, no, no, 2010, I think. And I started falling in love with jujitsu through the privates and (laughs) obviously falling in love with him. (laughs) Right. And so then, so I started in October. I did my first competition in March of the following year, which I think was 2011. So we, I did my first competition in March and at this point we're dating. So he's my coach and my boyfriend. And, and then like soon after that, and then at this, now the gyms have separated. So now there's 10 planet jujitsu somewhere. And then my stand up was somewhere, but so can I go back to something? So in the beginning you said like, Oh, with Eddie Bravo, like there's a bunch of artsy, like, weird people or what was it like did that cross your mind at all or was it just more you got to know the people over time where it kind of broke you down yeah I got to know the people over time I think I got older and more mature and Mm -hmm. uh, more comfortable like talking Mm -hmm. to people but yeah it it didn't phase me at this point okay and plus there's a really cute guy (laughs) plus there was a really cute guy so that that definitely helped and then yeah and then I competed and kind of the rest is history. And I kind of let, let the Muay Thai kind of go and got into jujitsu and, um, and just started competing and training with Eddie Bravo and 
you know, kind of taking it to the next level. And then I found another, then a few, you know, I was competing and competing. And then a few years later, I, I went to another Muay Thai gym because I was like, you know, I think I want to do MMA and stuff like that. And so I started training in another gym, another Muay Thai gym, and also training at 10th Planet. So my schedule was packed. I was going to school in Northridge, CSUN, training in Van Nuys, training in downtown, teaching classes in different places. So like, I was like, not living in my car, but basically like had to pack all my stuff for the day. And like, I was just like bouncing around. My schedule was super busy. So when I started training for another Muay Thai fight, like, you know, years later, I got down to the 115, was training super, super hard. And the day of weigh-ins for my Muay Thai fight, after years of taking a break, the girl backs out. Uh, and I was just like, fuck this. It just completely killed my mojo, my like drive. And then I just got more and more into jujitsu and I had more opportunity to compete at the, you know, professional level and, you know, was invited to a lot of, uh, professional competitions. And so I was just really focusing on that and just really training hard in jujitsu and, and doing competitions, you know, traveling to Japan and, you know, different places to do high level competitions, which was really fun. And eventually, you know, got my black belt and then. I remember you were down here visiting your grandma and I think you were training for one of the EBIs. Yeah. And you trained me. What? Yeah. I trained you. Cause that was back in the days when I was doing training. Was that for during your brown belt or your black belt? Were you getting your, I think you were getting your, I was still working. brown. Okay. But you were working towards your black, right? You were. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh yeah. Sorry. And I'd love to go back. Cause you had talked about the difference between Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Cause I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu with a gi and you do no gi jiu-jitsu. And like, what is the difference? Like for people listening who don't know anything about jiu-jitsu, what is the difference? Cause I do it with a gi and you do it without the gi. You don't, so. Do you ever train no gi or no? You know, I did it by default one class. Like our professor was like, take off your gi top and I mean we had our gi pants on like, yeah you couldn't yeah. like grip no you know? using the lapels and yeah. honestly it's so freaking uncomfortable it's so it's so uncomfortable but I know like when I had asked you like why you train no gi it actually really makes sense but I know there's quite a few like the girls I train with love no gi but I just I have no interest in no gi one I think like I don't Yeah, it's very, it's way more vulnerable, I feel like, than... Definitely, yeah, it's definitely faster paced. Then also, you have to be able to grab onto people with underhooks and overhooks and stuff. So the difference between the two is, I mean, obviously the, the attire in um, traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu, BJJ, you're wearing a kimono, a gi. Also, I mean, it's not a kimono, but I just call for them people the who don't know... I call them costumes, which pitches, pisses everyone off, but I... Or pajamas. <laughs> or yeah. we, call, we call them pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> so you have, you know, the ability to grab on to the collar and sleeves. And um, so it's a lot more... Yeah. So it's a lot more grip fighting. Uh, so you're spending a lot of time grip fighting. Um, when in Nogi, you're wearing... I mean, not necessarily normal clothes, essentially civilian clothes. But of course, now it's before it was just like civilian clothes or no, no clothes, like no shirt, like MMA. 
but now of course there's like a whole booming of rash guards and spats, you know, compression pants and compression shirts, you know, there's all sorts of fun outfits now that you can wear, but if you can't grab onto the clothes, so you have to rely on grips and grabbing onto overhooks and underhooks, grabbing their body parts as opposed to grabbing onto their clothing. So it's definitely more challenging to hold on to somebody by their body part as opposed to grabbing onto a shirt. So you're spending less time in re- in traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You're spending a lot of time trying to rip apart the grips off your shirt when in no-gi jiu-jitsu, you're not spending any time doing that. You're you're spending time trying to hold on to somebody, control them using their head and their wrist and their shoulders and, you know, other ways to grip on also known as overhook and underhooks. Which I know when I had asked you like why you do no gear, like, cause it's more realistic too, which is, um, yeah, if you're going to get attacked. Definitely more realistic for self-defense. Yeah. Especially for, for us women, you know, I mean, people don't wear, you know, geese. Yeah. I know. I like to think like, I, I, I actually think about it often because Blair does this thing with me where he hides behind corners or he'll <laughs> come up from behind and try to scare me. Yeah. It's, it's funny because he's been doing it a lot lately and I just scream and he's like, your defense, like, cause he's like, your arms are down. Like I train, you know, to like block myself. But I'm like, one day I was like, downstairs vacuuming and he just scared the shit out of me and I just screamed like dropped everything my hands down he's like that's opposite of what you want to do that's a good idea I'll have to tell my husband to do that with me (laughs) just come out and jump because I always have these scenarios so you're prepared I have these scenarios you know like I always you know they like Blair always says when you're a black belt, you realize how much you don't know and how you don't want to get in a fight but like when you're like a white belt or like bluebell I always think I'm just a badass and I'm like yeah I could choke you and like fight you yeah and of course and I always want to know like if someone was to attack me if I would actually know what to do but not that I actually want to be attacked I luckily have never been it's also I think a demeanor this is what I tell my the women in my self-defense class you know I mean like you come to a three-hour seminar with no experience I'm sorry but you're not gonna leave a ninja or know how to defend yourself. It's a hundred percent. And we disclaim that because women come in thinking like, Oh, like I know self-defense. It's like, no, you don't know self-defense. You've taken a self-defense class, but in order to know self-defense, you have to keep training. So really, you know, we do it as a buffer for trying to get women to train to continue the training so that they have that ability to protect themselves if they ever had to. But I always, you know, I tell that women is a lot of it is demeanor and how you carry yourself. I personally have never been attacked well ever since that incident when I was 14, but I've never really felt threatened in any way because I, I feel like with the demeanor I carry myself, people don't mess with me, you know, and I would hope that would carry on for lots of other reasons. I've had a few little incidents, nothing like essentially innocent guys hitting on me and maybe taking it a little too far, but like the way I carry myself and the way I respond kind of makes them back away. And so that's super important as far as women's self-defense, just in that aspect is trying to avoid all situations. You know, I mean, you don't want to get yourself in a bad situation. So we always tell women, like if you're by yourself walking home late at night, like get on the phone or like take a different route. So you don't have to take such a long walk or you know, do everything you can to avoid the situation. I do the same, even though I could maybe protect myself, probably. But I don't want to put myself in a situation where I have to 
do anything. So yeah. And you know, like what my professors teach, like when we, I got into jujitsu through a self-defense class, much like you, I actually got attacked by someone I knew who happened to be one of my best, my husband's best friends. And I, wow, I, I would never, and, and honestly, yeah. So like, and again, I, up until then, I would have never thought I was a person who like, that's not going to happen to me. That won't happen to me. And when I got into jujitsu, looking back, I think that was the precursor of why I did it. But it happened many years later of when I got, I, but I went into self, our women's self-defense class. And same thing, you know, we did it. It was like a few months that we would do this class. But it's the same thing. You have to like hone in on the skills. But what I did learn, and when you had talked about when you got attacked in Paris, you went to the ground and in jujitsu, they tell us like the first offense, if you don't know what to do as a woman, go to the ground and put your legs and your arms between you and your attacker because they have, because your legs are going to be the strongest thing. Of course, but I didn't know that. <laughs> so I guess I was I, kind of I halfway know. there. You must have known. You like going to the ground, but you know, that's just like some tidbit too that I, I found. I don't know if that helped you in that instance. Uh, no, because I did, I just froze. I went to, I dropped to the ground because I froze. But if I would have known jujitsu, then it would have maybe been, I don't even remember really what happened because I just kind of froze to like, I didn't even. So, but yeah, now I would hope that all this training, I would be able to hone in on all of that, of course. But you know, the most important part is to try to avoid any situation that you can. Don't put yourself in bad situations. I've been hearing some really crazy situations in our town in Encinitas, like women going out to bars and they get stuff put in their drinks. And then, and then I've heard like two incidences in the past we year. We say that it's people, you know, like, you know, we always say, I mean, we always say like the statistic is higher for women getting sexually assaulted by people, you know, than somebody creeping out in the bushes and attacking you. I mean, obviously that happens, but it's way more common for somebody you know, especially like college campuses. And I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So you, like going back, you actually, so you competed and you now have, you and your husband, like you then got married at some point. So we opened a gym. Well, we were in process of opening a gym. And well, that was always like a goal, a plan, a goal. And then we basically got married in August, opened a gym in October of the same year, 2017. So right after we got married, it was just like, all right, let's open this gym. And so we opened the gym in October of 2017. And it's been four years. And um, and it's going really well. I mean, we had, you know, that shitty year of the pandemic, but everybody went through it and we survived. Thank God. And um, how did you guys survive through that? Well, we have a lot of great clients who, you know, didn't cancel memberships. And then we were doing stuff online as best as we could. And, you know, we, we basically, I mean, everybody was just rolling with the punches that were coming our way as best as we could. And I know too, because when I had saw you kind of, I think I had saw you at one point after like a year or so, because you were here visiting your grandma and you're like, yeah, we're like in complete lockdown because too, you're protecting your 99 year old grandmother too. So 
it was definitely a tough year, but we survived and, you know, it only makes us stronger. And I'm sure it's not far from the end of what's to come. <laughs> yeah, I know it's wild times. So I, going back to competing, because competing, it was like when I, again, got into jujitsu was more like I thought for the art and then I realized it was like the self-defense or covering up something. Like I said, I, this thing happened to me and I, it was like, I can't believe this even happened to me. This doesn't happen to me. Like I'm a tough, strong, like athletic. Do you mind sharing or not really? Um, in what regard? What happened to you? It was a boss. It was a work setting. And I just kept getting, it was one of my husband's close friends. Yeah, I actually have not shared this um, ever. It's not like, but just groping, touching, grabbing. And were you married with him, with uh-huh. Blair at yeah. the time? And I think at the time, like, I kept like, it. I'm like, did that happen? Like I would get insecure and it was like, it would just be really weird. I was like, did that happen? No, that didn't happen. And it was like a work setting. And I was like, oh, that's just him being him. Cause that was like his thing. And then it got more and more aggressive as time went on. And then it was like, I can't tell Blair and I thought I could handle it. And it got more and more, but then I started having like meltdowns. Like, and I just, I totally broke down where I just honestly just didn't really want to live anymore. And I like that. It was weird because I was, I was exhausted, but I think it was just more, I know that sounds like dramatic, but it was just. Not at all. I don't know. I just. And it's so common. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Because I was hiding something too. So, you know, and I'm like hiding you something. you didn't want to believe it almost. Yeah. And I have a really great ability so, to hide so, it. Yeah. Yeah. And it probably was so discreet that it was like. Yeah, he fucked with my head, too, because he would do things like he would like my I always said it was like a mind F because I was working for him. So he would do like the super manipulating stuff and then do the physical stuff. And I was like, well, I can handle that. But I couldn't handle like the mind F because he'd put me through the this ringer that it almost was like. I was like, but I got to do my job because I had, we had just moved back from New York to here, to California. And I was like, I got to work. I got to work. I got to make money. I got to figure it out. And I just like kind of stuffed it back. And then one day, one of my close friends, we were having a talk and it just came pouring out like everything that happened. And she's like, that's not right. And I just kind of went into a funk for pretty, like for many years And then I got into wanting, I was actually going to go to Krav Maga. And I was like, that really like interests me, but it was the schedule and like the location of it was really far. So they just happened to be having a, um, a woman's self-defense class. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go. And it was like, I think two or three months. And then I just, like a lot of the women after they're like, let's go to the class with the pajamas after. And I was like, okay, you know, and then the, I did it for like, I think like one or two times. And then they're like, let's sign up. And I'm like, oh my God, what the hell am I getting into? I was like, okay. You know? And I was like, I'm just going to do this for like a month. I just, I only want to do it for a month. I don't have the time to do this. I was doing boxing at the time. I was playing soccer. I, mm hmm. I had like such a full, like crazy extracurricular activities. And then in that month, I fell in love with it. And I was like, 
addicted and I was like going to sleep. I was, and then I, did you get, you got your purple belt, right? I got my purple belt. Yeah. I just actually got my next stripe like last week. So second, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, it's like four years this month. So, um, but again, I just feel like you talk about the love hate relationship you know, and that's like, I wanted to talk to you, like being a black belt, because that's when they say it just starts is when you're all a black over belt. again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you're I, we just actually had a belt promotion last weekend. And it, they say it, a black belt is just a white belt who never quits. And that's true. Um, <laughs> so this is true. I like having, you know, we have you hear all the speeches and stuff, like when people have the belt ceremony, and I feel like it's there's people in the crowd that are there like watching their loved ones get their belts, but you know, people only who do it, like really get the impact because it is such a profound experience, like going through day in and day out. Like, I mean, most days I feel like I'm just getting, I mean, I hate to promote it this way, but you like, they say like you're the hammer or the nail. Like most times I feel like I'm the nail. But it's probably one of the most rewarding, adventurous, like spiritual experiences I've ever been through. And I just, I'm like so grateful for it, like every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like to your level, like intent, like I too, like love intensity, but to your level, like you're on a whole nother level. Like I love watching your reels and stuff from like your competitions. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you just, yeah, you just have this fire about you and it's like, what is your mindset like with it all? Is it what drives you? I mean, with competition or just in general? In general. Cause like day, I mean, you live it, breathe it, like you work in it, you do it and like to go like work in it all day and then have to train yourself. And then like your husband and you like work together. I mean, there's just, there's a lot. <laughs> I know, it is. It's a lot. It's, it's definitely a lot. I mean, especially, you know, ever since the pandemic now, it's truly really my whole everything now. Cause I don't, I'm not doing the other stuff I was doing before, but um, I mean, the reason why I say love hate relationship, it, that was mostly like, for competition in that sense, because I have a love hate relationship with comp- competing because it's, it's a lot, especially for me. It's when I was competing, I put my all into it because I don't want to lose. Like for me, like losing is not an option. You want to do everything you can to not lose. I put a lot of pressure on myself. So the training part for me is, is the easy part. Like I love training hard and, and having a full schedule and being, you know, my body being all broken and, you know, making my food and like eating right, you know, just there's something about it that's rewarding in a sense. Like I feel powerful. I feel kind of like not human when I'm training that hard for a competition. For me, what's hard is the actual competition part and the nerves. I still till this day get super nervous. Like always the week before my competition, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, what the hell am I doing this for? same day day of competition oh my god what am i doing what am i doing you know so it's it, that's that's the hate part like oh my god why am i doing this this is so dumb like i'm so crazy like why am i putting myself through this i could just train and have fun and i don't need to put myself in this really uncomfortable situation you know but then of course when i'm in it and i'm doing it it's it's so rewarding you know obviously winning is the best like 
there's no better feeling than winning. I think for me, it's because I put in so much time and so much work when I train that like when I win, it's, you know, I, I, all that time and effort was put to good use, but also I'm winning for my team and I'm representing my team and the people that carried me this way and, and, and helped me along the way. And, you know, losing, you know, losing is losing. It's part of the game. So uh, you learn from it. And obviously there's different ways to lose. You know, I've had losses where I'm like, okay, like I lost, but like I did as best as I could. And I've had a lot of losses where I'm like, fuck, like I could have beat her. Like I got in my head and that's the hard ones is the losses where you're like, you didn't do your best or you didn't put it all out there. And, you know, you regret not doing, you know, going as hard as you could. And, and, um, you know, I, when it's over, you know, it's like this feeling of like, I put myself in that super uncomfortable situation and I'm better for it now. So like, I always think about it like this, like I'm going to be better after this competition, win or lose, you know, even though like winning is, you know, better in the sense of jujitsu, better in the sense of a human being better in the sense of, you know, being able to be survive, you know, and like, and, you know, survive being uncomfortable and survive putting yourself in, in the uncomfortable and not stay in a homeostasis. And, um, so like, that's really what motivates me when, when I'm getting, when I'm like in the like nerves of the competition part, like, okay, like this is going to be, you know, I'm going to, this is going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to get this much better, um, all around as a human, as a jujitsu athlete, as a, you know, as a woman, as a, you know, a citizen in the world of just, you know, being able to survive. And, um, so like, that's what keeps me like going as far as like the competition part, you know, but it's gotten harder over the years because I have so many lingering injuries and, um, you know, my body can definitely can't take. So, you know, kind of like right before the pandemic, I did my last, my last, my first black belt match as a black belt. And it was the last competition I did. What, what, how many, at that point, how many have you done? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I, I had, can't. I had listened to something you were doing and I think you said you had 20 competitions at that point, but it was like, I think four or five years ago that, that yeah, was recorded. I, I mean, so. now I don't know. It's, there's been a lot. I mean, that's impressive. I think anytime you just get out on the mats, I mean, we like, you know, I, I think it's always a learning experience. Like you say, like, you're like, oh, I could have went harder or whatever. And I think there's always like an awareness, even though like you don't have the win as a result, but like just getting out on there to people and just battling out your, your are trying to kill each other basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of my, a handful of my, ma- it's my body goes into autopilot essentially, which I don't know if I recommend that for everybody. You know, I think it's just kind of, and it's kind of just what my body does. I just go in autopilot. As soon as I slap and bump, it's like go time. And I see red, you know, like I see red and I'm just going, 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 going. And, you know, everybody's jujitsu journey is different. That's what's so beautiful about jujitsu. And um, so my, after this last, you know, I've had so many lingering injuries, but I was, lots of injuries before this last competition as a black belt. And then the pandemic happened. So I figured I'm going to take some time. I, basically when the pandemic happened, it's like all the injuries were like, what? here you go. And so, you know, it was time my body just needed a break. And it's, 
I'm barely just getting back into it. I'm, I'm dealing with like a neck injury right now that, um, so I have to change my game up a lot because I can't do a lot of the things that I could do before. And I can't train the way I trained before. And I'm slowly right now, just getting back into my training. I, um, I was focused a lot on teaching, which has been really nice. And I'm teaching the fundamentals program and kids. And, you know, I, I love seeing and like a normal you teach the women's program too. Yeah. And the women's yeah. self-defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, for me, it's like what I love. There's so many things I love about it, but you know, there's like two main things is the first one is what's so beautiful about jujitsu is anybody can do it. You don't have to be, you know, any shorter, any taller, any skinnier, any heavier, any bigger, any stronger, any, you know, any older, any younger, anybody can do it. Everybody has their own jujitsu journey. And that's, what's so beautiful about it. It doesn't matter. You could be a, you know, 50 year old purple belt who just does it for fun and has a broken body. And when he rolls, you know, he gets tapped out by all the blue belts who are like competing every weekend. And they're trying to do this as their professional career you know, but he's a purple belt because he's put in the time, the effort, the consistency in classes, his mentality is purple belt. So it doesn't, yes, belts mean something for sure, but everybody's belt means something different for them. And everybody's journey is different. And everybody's meaning for jujitsu is different. Like everybody's doing jujitsu for different reasons. And so that's what, that's one of the reasons why I love jujitsu. And my other favorite thing that I, for me now, especially as a teacher and teaching, honing in on teaching more than I am competing, which is hard to do both. You know, it's seen somebody coming in super unathletic background, never done anything really athletic ever. Maybe went to the gym to do stuff, but like nothing like a, just a normal, you know, person, you know, even like a geeky person who sits at their desk and like just super unathletic knows nothing about martial arts and starts training in jujitsu and you know we have a few of these one of them in particular and you know his whole family has no idea what jujitsu is and he just kept pushing and pushing and training and staying consistent and getting beat up and beat up and beat up and we're really selling it huh (laughs) yeah but there's something beautiful about it because it, it humbles you and 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 now he's beating people up and his whole demeanor's changed and he's so much more confident and he got his blue belt. And I mean, the light that he has when he comes into this gym and like, you can tell that it's just, this is something that takes him away from his, his normalcy in his life. You know, he's a stay at home dad and, you know, just, I love that. doesn't, Doesn't really have anything else. And like, just like a normal dude, you know, and, you know, he, this is like his everything. And it's, you can just tell when it changes people and it gives so much joy and life to somebody who didn't really have anything as far as like hobby, you know, and and that's, what's so beautiful about it. and, And I love that. And it humbles people, you know, like you can't fake your way through jujitsu. You just can't. So it's, it brings the truth out of people. And I'm such a real, my husband and I are both such real genuine people. Like that's just who we are. So like for us, it's like, there's nothing more real and genuine than jujitsu. So that's, and they always say like, check your ego at the door. Cause you, yeah. Be like, you and can't really come have in with an ego. Yep. That they, they can only last so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's really like 
That's really beautiful. And it, it, it really does sum it up. I think even for me, like how I, my experience of it, cause it's been truly rewarding. And I mean, I think to another thing, you touched on this in the beginning, like you're building this community and really like the community that, I mean, every day, I think that's like those days that I don't want to go or you're just having a hard day. I just think of those, those people and that's what gets me there. My, like the girls that get me there, my, my friends that get me there and you just go and yeah, just, I mean, yeah, I could totally like, again, everybody's equal. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Like everybody's going in there for the same purpose. I mean, for this, not, no, sorry, backtrack. Everybody's going in there to, to gain something. Everybody has different reasons that they're going to, that they're gaining, but everybody's going in there to get away and to, to, you know, mm-hmm. you work to through, it's a, what a better way through, to work through your, work shit. Through your problems. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and, um, I think that like, there's just so many benefits, but ultimately like just being a teacher right now, you know, who knows if I'll go back into competition, mm-hmm. we'll see. But right now I'm just focused on, you know, running the programs and just, making people feel like a family and a community. And um, that's so important to me. And, and I love making people feel like they're part of something because, you know, so many people don't feel that way. And especially for the people who are not as confident and, you know, who are, who struggled with being shy and timid and not confident their whole life. And then just seeing their whole dynamic, like their whole aura change once they get into more and more training and like you become such a better person you know, I mean, jujitsu can really save people's lives and it saves a lot of people's lives, uh, whether it's meant to, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, spiritually, you know? So it, like I said, it's, it's like open to so many things and so many people can benefit from it for so many, for all types of reasons. Yeah. I love that. It's really lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think of I think we any other questions or no, I think we should end on that note because that like really sums it up. And thank you so much for your time. It's been fun. Yeah, of course, Stephanie. Yeah, it's really been fun and, and thank you for inviting me and I hope you know, I hope this grows for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. My hope is that this conversation has inspired you with a new awareness and has uncovered some beauty and wisdom within you. If you have enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share it with a friend and please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, please feel free to reach me at stephanie.brownyard at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.